0: what's up people it's sathya sam here welcome to unleash the man within thank you guys so much for listening i hope you're having an incredible day i am super excited to share my interview with ben bennett who is an author speaker podcast host and director of resolution movement a global movement that's overcoming hurts and struggles and thriving in life with jesus and others that's what they're about Bennett himself has, pardon me, Ben himself, that's a little bit confusing. Ben himself has faced addiction, trauma, and mental health struggles in his journey towards a wholehearted life. And he shares about kind of all of the things that he fell into and what he has done the last 11 years to get free and ultimately built a movement that is now changing the lives of thousands of people. His book is phenomenal. I mean, he's been endorsed by the likes of Josh McDowell. That's the ministry he's kind of nested under. Lisa Bevere and a whole bunch of other people. He's just doing incredible work. And today we sort of talk about his story. And this is not your typical addiction story because there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of anxiety that comes with it. And then we sort of talk about what life has looked like on the other side. A lot of the people who have shared their stories have gone on to start ministries. And, you know, Ben's not different that way. But he is single. And I thought that was really interesting just hearing his take on what it's been like to be free of porn and masturbation for nine years as a single man. He's 33 years old now and really thriving and just a huge inspiration. You're going to learn lots from him. And even if you are married and you're like, okay, that's not the story I'm really looking for, Cynthia. I'm in a different situation we talk a lot about what it's like to regulate your nervous system when you experience triggers. And whether you deal with anxiety, whether you have some PTSD as part of your story, whether you just simply are overcoming sexual misbehavior, what he breaks down for sort of distilling the panic and really resting your nervous system is worth the entire interview. So I'm really excited for you to get to that part but really the whole thing is really inspiring, very informative, he's well-researched, and you can just tell he's rubbing shoulders with some of the best in this space. So I know you're gonna be blessed. Without further ado, here's my interview with Ben Bennett. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives, and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash The Man Within. All right, well, I'm here with Ben Bennett, author of Free To Thrive and founder of The Resolution Movement. Dude, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Sathya, thanks so much for having me. Love what you're doing. And uh, I think today's gonna be a fun conversation.
0: I agree. The feeling is mutual. I've been following your stuff for a while. It's excellent. We were talking a little bit off camera just about um, the value, I think, of refining a message and really getting clear about what you're trying to say and who you're trying to say it to. And you've done that super well. And we're going to get into all of that. But I know everything that you're doing now with the movement and the podcast and the book, it all comes from a personal story. And we've had other people on the podcast who I think have had addictions to porn and they've gotten free and they're helping people, but your story is much more than that. It's, it's a lot wider spread for, for better or for worse, I suppose, depending on how you slice it. But I wonder if you can uh, maybe just give us the Coles notes here on, on your story, man, and what got you here in the first place.
1: Yeah, I'll give you the uh, Cliff Notes version. Um, for me, I, I grew up surrounded by Christianity, which was great because early on, it was like I had this radical understanding of life and meaning and a purpose. And had this real awareness that God is real, wanted to know me personally, his life, his death, his resurrection, well, of Jesus was the way that I could enter into that. So early on, that was real. I had that reconciled relationship with God. I felt like I knew what life was about, I knew where I was headed. Heaven and hell was real. I'm here for a purpose. I want to tell people about this relationship they can have. However, while that relationship was restored, other relationships were broken, uh, especially Mm -hmm. in my family. Growing up, my dad was in full-time ministry. However, um, so often he was like two different people at home. He was often angry, manipulative, emotionally abusive, quick to get angry, high emphasis on rules, lack of emotional connection. And so I, I early on just shut down. I was Terrified of my dad half the time, and of course he he traveled a lot and was was gone a lot, um, and so early on I had just these deep lacks, these deep hurts in my life. Um, I wanted acceptance. I wanted you know to fit in. I wanted uh, to be known and loved, and I didn't find that often in friendships either. Hmm. In elementary school, and middle school, and high school. Um, being bullied for my weight, for the music I listened to, for following Jesus. And so I didn't really know anything was wrong growing up because that was my normal. Right. And I thought, and I blamed myself. I thought if I was more obedient, if I could love Jesus more, if I could be cooler, if I could dress better, if I could talk differently, if you know, whatever, In in a word, it was shame. Believing not that just uh, believing that I was wrong, and a lot of times when we talk about shame, we say I did bad, therefore I am bad. But what we leave out of the conversation is bad was done to me, therefore I am bad. And so that's two sides of the shame coin either i'm doing bad and now i feel bad or bad was done to me which is all of us all of us living in this fallen world have bad done to us yeah and that's another area where shame comes in so early on shame by the age of 8 i was diagnosed with anxiety depression obsessive compulsive disorder i started having these horrific like out of body experiences where i thought or i felt like i was dreaming and didn't know like when that would end and that was just terrifying. And yeah. I was trying to deal with this all on my own. I was, I was in my, my head cause I learned that people weren't safe. And um, eventually just throughout all of these, all this pain, these struggles, this loneliness, um, that's when pornography entered in and was introduced to porn and masturbation around the age of 12 or 13 by some friends. And instantly that, that hooked me. Nothing could give me the high in the escape like pornography and masturbation gave me. And that right. led to a 10-year addiction. And mixed in there was pushing boundaries, acting out sexually here and there. Um, I got addicted to food and eventually gained 100 pounds and have since lost it. Wow! But my life was out of control, man. And I didn't know why I was struggling so much. I thought that it was just, okay, I've got these biological chemical imbalances, which is why I'm struggling mentally. I'm a worthless sinner in God's eyes, and that's why I struggle so much with sin, and I'm addicted to these things, and just hopefully someday it will get better. Hmm. Um, and it it ultimately wasn't until age 23 where I, I landed in really good therapy, certified sex addiction, recovery, had a great pastor, great mentors, great friends. And for the first time, started to realize that none of these struggles are random. They're signals to be answered. They're signals of deeper hurt, unmet longings, um, ways that I've learned to cope or to survive. Hmm. Uh, And kind of made sense of all of that and started getting help and started a lifestyle of no secrets, of reaching out rather than acting out, started to become emotionally wow. aware yes. and realizing what was setting me up, what are the triggers? And um, the beautiful thing was that um, I we, I started. I was taught to start to view triggers as a way that could lead to transformation. Hmm. So uh, just uh, as we up- learn things, we can unlearn things. And so every time I had an emotional trigger started to get anxious or started to get angry, or, I mean, those were the things that set me up to go to porn rejection, those triggers. What's the new trigger? What's the new way that I'm going to act upon this? I'm going to reach out to God. I'm going to reach out to others. I'm going to fight these lives. I'm going to deal with this in community. And I'm going to, I'm going to connect rather than cope. And um, then there's, there's a lot more to the story, but uh, you know, now I've been free for almost nine years from porn and masturbation. Come on. And anxiety has lessened drastically. Depression's almost non-existent. Bad wow. about ex- body experiences uh, are almost non-existent. And um, God means it when he, when he says we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Yeah. And uh, that he came to bind up our wounds and set the captive free. Yeah. And we just got to know. How and what that looks like, and um, yeah, thankful, I'm thankful, um, for to go from surviving to now thriving and helping others. And doesn't mean everything's awesome all the time, you know, there's still blips on the radar, and like, sure, some of these old patterns die hard. Because if you think about it, like, if you've been thinking a certain way for 23 years, and then all of a sudden you try and change certain things, it's man it's it's a journey but the goal is daily health rather than avoidance or not acting on something it's i want to live healthy and whole and thriving today yeah and um that's what i've gotten to be part of
0: come on man it's so good an incredible story let's go back to what you said you said something really profound which is that usually we're told shame is that you've done something bad therefore you are bad that's one side of the coin the other side being that Bad was done to you, therefore you are bad, and I think a lot of people would actually resonate with that message, probably even more, Mm -hmm. because especially Mm -hmm. in the realm of sexuality, it's very rare that in our exploring of sexuality that we naturally just gravitate to these things that are totally toxic and dysfunctional. It's usually um, exposure by somebody, um, it's abuse. You know, there's all kinds of things. I guess I'm just curious for you, like, because you've, as you've astutely put it, like. It was not just about trying to curb some behavior like you really had to go back and and heal like the origins of this. What did that look like for you? And did that second definition of shame that you provided in any way play into it?
1: Yes. Uh, At first, it was solely about the behavior. And I think that's that's unfortunately where like 99 percent of us start and stop. Yeah. like i'm gonna deal with lust for life you know <laughs> and we're just focused on the behavior but never deal with the underlying stuff so it comes out in some other way whether anger or unhealthy relationships or we start binging netflix or put our I- identity and our social status or become a christian workaholic whatever because we never deal with those deeper things that have gone unresolved hmm. in our life so for me it was it's amazing thinking back man um Early on, I was so obsessed with sobriety. And I remember my first year, finally free of porn, and uh, my, or like my first month. And I needed those goals at the time, but I was so obsessed with the behavior. I almost became an addict of what I wasn't doing, like a, a like a Pharisee, you know? Yeah. I was, I was addicted. I was addicted to not looking up at porn. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and, um, But what I started to realize is only as I stopped looking at porn could all these other things start to rise up in my life that needed to be dealt with. Mm. Because it's like I got rid of the, the main ways that I was medicating these unresolved issues and hurt. So what did I start doing? I started getting more angry. I started getting more reactive, more lonely, more needing of acceptance, the relational needs just like went up all the more or were exposed that were already there i i found it so hard to it's like i was flip-flopping like okay um starting to cope with alcohol like for the first time which Mm. i never dealt with before or the eating getting out of control and what we don't want to do is just stop behavior and flip-flop addictions or sins or whatever We want to experience true healing and health. And that, for me, came so much through. And it it was a process with time with other people. Um, And I needed to stop, start somewhere and have goals for sobriety and define what a relapse was, which was porn and masturbation and sexual fantasies, because my thought life would always lead me down this destructive path, Um, snowball um, path. And yes. Yeah. And, and for me realizing I needed to start questioning my struggles rather than condemning my struggles Hmm. and questioning what is porn about for me? What is that type of porn about? Um, Uh, this, this whole thing in sex addiction recovery called the arousal template of sight, sounds, smells, locations, body types, scenarios. None of that is random all of it uniquely ties to your story and your sexual experiences your non-sexual experiences your relationships with your parents i mean all we have to do is look at one of the i look at the reports um from one of the top porn sites every single year to see what the top categories of porn people are looking at
0: it's so telling isn't it
1: yeah and 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 so by questioning those struggles and figuring out what that's about, what we realize is that, oh, my gosh, there's deficits in my soul that I'm unknowingly trying to fulfill and find in this. In my new book, we call them unmet longings. We all have these longings for acceptance, the affirmation of our feelings, um, safety. And we can look at, okay, I was created for the Garden of Eden, this perfect world where all of those things were met by God and others. But even in the littlest ways, even in the, the bigger ways, how did these longings go unmet and leave these deficits in, in my soul, in my life? And how am I unknowingly trying to reenact them now to find a different outcome, to find what I was truly longing for all along? Hmm. And then you pinpoint them. And then God invites you in relationships with him and others to actually find those and find something that will satisfy and not just gratify and find what you've been looking for all along. And yeah. it's just so beautiful. And that's where healing happens.
0: That's amazing, man. Really, really well said. You, one thing that's really interesting about your story is you have kind of the timestamp on like, it's been nine years, I think you're approaching 10 years free of porn and mm-hmm. masturbation, which is fantastic. Huge congrats, man. And uh, that's a big inspiration to our audience here. Um, you framed it differently. Like I think the anxiety, the, the depression, the out-of-body experiences are dramatically reduced, but it sounds like to a degree, there's still a presence of them. Uh, I wonder if you have any speculation as to why that might be. Why, is it, why were we able to kind of get resolutely clean of one thing, but have remnants of the other? And again, not to negate the dramatic improvement. I'm just curious though, what you think.
1: Totally. Uh, neuroscience.
0: <laughs>
1: That's one. by the way, I'm, I'm drinking it. It looks I, guess, I just realized this kind of looks like a beer, but it is a seltzer water, okay. a fuller <laughs> seltzer, just in case anyone was concerned. I, I but, figured
0: it was, it was not a Miller light, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> looks kind of like one. Um, but so I think there's, there's something to be said for external behaviors. And how those are easier to stop than internal thoughts and really emotions. Hmm. Anxiety at its core primitive level is your survival brain, your amygdala going into a state of fight or flight to protect you. And it's actually God designed in a good thing. Hmm. Um, because we need to jump out of the car when somebody or not jump out of the car, jump out of the street. If somebody, if you live in a city like me where somebody takes the corner too fast and you're on the crosswalk, you, that's, that's good to keep you alive. However, that part of our brain gets hijacked to protect ourselves from trauma, rejection. We learn, we have negative experiences. And then our brain writes those down as oh, fight or flight, avoid them in the future. Mm-hmm. And when you're in, in the, Neurological pathways, the neurons that fire together, wire together, um, just like muscle memory, when you're learning how to play an instrument, um, even when you're learning how to write with your hand, and now you can like, write and think about other things or talk to somebody while writing, um, play an instrument while singing as well. Those things become like second nature and deep grooves in your brain. And so when we've got these internal realities of fear of almost automatic responses that happen to split in a split split second um that takes a long time to rewire Hmm. and so i think that's that's one of the realities because there's so many more steps here's one of the keys there's so many more steps that happen before somebody looks at porn it's like step one pull out your phone Step 2, open your browser. Okay, I'm not trying to trigger anyone right now, but <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many steps whereas with anxiety, it's almost it is a split second. Somebody says something or you think about something and can just trigger this flood in your body and it's just one step rather than five steps. Yeah. And so it, it can take a, a lot, lot more work to deal with that initial step.
0: Yeah, that's really well said and I hope you don't mind me asking about it because I think um, the subjects that are around pornography in your story are are really fascinating to me and uh, like we have a a good number of clients who have ADHD in addition to porn addiction like Mm -hmm. and there's studies that show kind of the correlations between that and why they exist. Uh, For you, what have you done to mitigate the anxiety in your life? and i'm wondering if you don't mind even just getting practical like because when you do catch the amygdala maybe going into overdrive a little bit what are things that you're doing to relax yourself and get back to that state
1: Yes, that and i'll come back to that in a second but i love that you mentioned adhd i feel like i'm having adhd right now but i'm not this is intentional (laughs) um i was diagnosed with adhd i don't have adhd anymore i think it's way in in so i led for six years, porn addiction recovery groups, hundreds of people through them. I think ADHD is way overdiagnosed in what instead it actually is. And Dr. Mark Laser, the late Dr. Mark Laser, he was one of the two Christian guys, started in the 90s, certified sex addiction therapist. So many of us have what we're doing now. Um, to We have him to thank for what we're doing now, his yes. work. Um, but he went on record saying that Most of the time, ADHD is kids or or people who grow up in environments where they're constantly stimulated, whether it's through stress, whether it's through um, just unsafe relationships, whether it's through now social media, your brain is actually being conditioned for ADHD through social media, through the scrolling, through the constant dopamine, because what it does is it trains your brain to expect this amount of dopamine, this high amount of dopamine, dopamine to feel normal. So when you don't have that, guess what? Reading a book, it's not a lot of dopamine. Your brain's looking for something. Oh, I think about that. I think about that. I think about that. New information, switching topics releases dopamine. So for many of us, myself included, that is what it was about. I couldn't sure. even read. It took me a month. Like back when I was 23 it, and still addicted to porn, it would take me a month to read through one chapter of a book. Because wow. the, the ADHD, the, I, I couldn't focus because of how much I train my brain intentionally, unintentionally, or by an unhealthy environment to need that amount of dopamine. But, and, and then porn does that too, to our brain. So I, I'm not, and I'm not a medical expert. I'm not saying ADHD is always caused by that, but in every, pretty much every experience, experientially, every person I've worked with seeing this is what's going on. And on a neurological level, it, it makes sense. If, yeah. So, um, So remind me again, the question you asked.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is like the best demonstration of ADHD in action. That's hilarious. No, I was just curious, I guess, what do you do practically to mitigate anxiety in your life? Oh, yes. Um, Yeah, just day to day.
1: Yeah. um, You know, anxiety was one of those things that I thought I would have to deal with forever or that it would never get better. However, in 2021, last year, it went down by 90%. Hmm. And that came through meeting weekly with someone who is an expert in phobias, anxiety, trauma, and an expert in the mind and body. And he knew his neuroscience. So he taught me all of these tools. couple steps. One is realizing that anxiety is always, every single time, caused by either a subconscious or conscious thought. A scary thought, a intrusive thought. And there's normally a visual, a mental picture that's associated with it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it's subconscious. And that's why, for me, I realized it would it, anxiety would show up in my body before, and I would have to translate it to intellectually, what's going on here? And I realized, here, here's a practical example. I used to get anxious all the time when I was running late to meetings. And it was just like, oh, well, what's going on is I don't want to be late because that makes me feel uncomfortable. So my body is just like taking it up a notch, making me anxious to get there sooner. And I could resolve it by getting places early. Then I wouldn't be anxious, but that's avoidance and avoidance strengthens our fears and our anxiety. (laughs) So what I realized was no, when it comes down to it, what are those subconscious thoughts? What's the worst that could happen? What am I really thinking and believing? Okay. I'm fearing that there's gonna be some kind of rejection. And that's so big for me because my past is full of rejection and bullying and not having the right appearance and not appearing the way I wanna appear. So this was just one more way that was playing out and I would get anxious. So what did I start doing? Uh, So that's the first step. What is the thought and mental picture and it's of like rejection and failure and all these things. So that's the lie second is identifying what is the truth and what's the what's the better story that i can tell myself right because i didn't realize that i was actually visualizing and believing these people were going to reject me and be disappointed and number 2 the truth is of course who god says i am and who cares about time like People are late from time to time. That person's (laughs) not sitting there frowning upon me and like wishing that I would die because they're so mad at me telling myself the true and better story. It's okay to be late every once in a while. Um, Probably it's okay to be be late all the time. It's not the end of the world. Uh, And just to work on growing on that. So I allowed myself to start being late and having those new experiences um, (laughs) and stop taking it so seriously. And then number three, was really what these exercises he taught me to calm my mind and my body. And so as I was running through those truth statements, um, taking deep breaths, another one that has been so helpful is acupressure points on the body uh, designed to calm anxiety. You can just Google it, acupressure points for anxiety. One is right between your eyebrows. And you just hold that and you take some deep breaths and tell yourself, The truth. There's two right here on on the top of the cheekbones. And you know, running through that so many times, like within a split second of the anxiety coming up, that rewired my brain. I was transformed by the renewing of my mind. And God was all over it because I was talking to him, asking him to help me believe the truth when I couldn't. And I can't remember the last I I don't really get anxious when I'm running late for meetings. Yeah. Um, it's like that anxiety that was, there is, is no longer there because now the it's, it's like in your brain, there's these pathways or streams of water. And I used to have a flood, a giant river, Oh, running late to meeting or are flowing this way. But you, it's like, it course corrects in your mind within a split second. It starts going down that no course corrects. And then the new way that the river is flowing is to get spiritual is that living water that, that Jesus brings of <laughs> yeah. that, of that, that peace and it's okay. And he's yeah. got it and it's not that big of a deal. And that's just one example of the many ways how, and I've plied, applied that kind of thinking to, and those practices to so many ways of, of dealing with anxiety. Another big one throughout the years was realizing I'm, I need to connect or I'm going to cope. Um, hmm. Pornography always started with procrastination, and then it led to anxiety and stress and anger and then exhaustion and then relapsing. So I realized I need to start at at the top. What are the things at the top, like procrastination, anxiety? I always need to reach out for help. This was early on in my recovery journey because wow. it was like, if I don't resolve this or deal with this, it's going to snowball. And so it was that same thing, the river, it's the course correction And then you never get down to, you know, like the temptation. I'm convinced that unless we have really strong triggers with things, that we don't get tempted unless we're already emotionally exhausted, unless we've already been a little bit stressed, unless we've already avoided things that God has invited us to deal with. And uh, the majority of people, I've realized, live in such a state of stress and speed that they're two steps away from looking at porn and that's why they think, Oh, I woke up in the morning. I was running late. I read, you know, my Bible, but then I looked at porn and it just happened. I just was tempted. No, what happened was this was avoided. This was procrastinated on. This lie was believed this stress started coming up a little bit of this anxiety, this worry, a little bit of this anger. And then, The quiet time happened or reading the Bible happens and then the temptation happened because (laughs) and that's what I've seen like with hundreds of people. They go through that same, same step by step process before the relapse.
0: It's really interesting. The speed thing is, is so fascinating to me because I think the pace of our lives is more or less unsustainable. Like the typical American or North American life. It's just not sustainable. if People are really trying to you know, keep up with the Joneses and follow all the um, I don't know, the, the norms out there. You mentioned something really interesting earlier, which is that if you can learn something, then you must, of course, then also be able to unlearn something. And when you were talking about regulating your dopamine levels, just bring that baseline down and kind of outgrowing ADHD. I, I personally believe that is like that's going to be a superpower in the next 20 years. The ability to just regulate your brain and stay focused on something for an extended period of time um, is, is your solution in that arena. Was it more or less the same Ben as far as just kind of um, going identifying the lies, kind of redirecting the thought patterns, some of the, the breathing exercises, the acupressure points or is it, are there other things or is there any other secret sauce to kind of regulating that baseline dopamine level in somebody's brain?
1: yes um it was for me that was kind of a byproduct it wasn't the goal for me Mm. i didn't know i could get rid of adhd i didn't know i could focus better yeah and so that was the byproduct of starting to get healthy and so i think it started with um okay getting into recovery and healing and addressing the porn issue and part of addressing the porn issue for me was I got rid of my smartphone and I had a dumb phone for five, um, for seven years.
0: Wow. And I, I was, Which years I was, were those? Because that's not too yeah. long ago we're talking, right?
1: Right. This was, let's see, I, I didn't get a smartphone back until 2016 because I didn't trust myself, even though I was porn free for five years. Wow. Okay. Um, and what I found in, so it was 2011. I got rid of the smartphone, 2011 to 2016. Keep in mind, all my friends were on social media, on Instagram with smartphones, on their email nice. with their smartphones. But it was truly a gift because I started to realize I actually like this. I can't get on social media unless I go home and open my, open my laptop. I can't check my email unless I go home and do that. All I can do is text and make calls. So what I found myself doing was Not constantly getting these alerts and checking my phone and buying into this whole, you know, craze of the smartphone that trains us to be addicts, to dopamine in our brains. So I think part of it was, it was like, I went through this five year unintentional (laughs) detox without a smartphone, without pornography. um, And it just... The length of time just kind of rewired my my brain, and even when I got a s- smartphone back, something I started doing—I've been doing it for four or five years now. I have my phone on do not disturb twenty-four-seven. Come on, it's I amazing. Like so I only get texts or calls when I consciously open it and see if somebody's messaged me or called me or whatever. I've got all the badges pretty much off on the apps. And so these are some practices I've realized this is going to continue to help me use my smartphone, not have my smartphone use me and major tech companies use me. Yeah. Um, although, they are, although they are tracking everything. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I realize you know, the social dilemma, I realize on the product, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, those are, those are a couple things. And then just, slowing down the speed of life. I think bes- besides that, we can just be addicted to stress and addicted to anxiety. I mean, neurochemically, an- emotions are addicting because they release cortisol. Stress is addicting. Why do, why do people love to seek out gossip and to talk about others? It releases like neurochemicals in your brain. And uh there's, it's, It floods your brain with dopamine. Um, So all of these different... We get addicted to the chemicals in our brain and that comes out through different ways and different things like porn releases more dopamine than actual sex with a human being. So no wonder it's so addictive. Um, But detox, slow things down, realize what's leading to dopamine, limit that, put limits on yourself, on your phone. um, And... And then I think just practice for me, just starting to practice reading and sitting there and bringing back my thoughts when they would wander to what I was reading. And sometimes, sometimes it's not, it's not you and your brain. It's the book you're reading sucks and is really boring. But (laughs) if you find something that's, you know, don't blame it on ADHD. It's the book, it's the author. But if you find something, if you find something engaging that you like, that's life giving, sit there with it. But practice learning it's like it's like learning how to walk again
0: yeah it's really well said and it's interesting you used um some language that i i would use myself which is that we are addicted to stress and i i think the the other word that i'm using around that now is we're comfortable we're actually really comfortable with high levels of stimulation and stress i was talking to somebody recently who um i kind of i've made this habit of like if somebody follows me on insta I usually reach out and say hey thanks it's not automated to say hey thanks for the follow can i do anything to help or support you and this guy was like, he's like, I want help. But to be honest, I don't because I don't want to change. Like I'm scared to change, basically. And I think that sort of expresses what you're saying. like That, that human condition, which is, are we without realizing it, we condition our brains to get hooked on these things that are totally toxic, totally destructive. They work against our purposes. And then when it does come time to actually change it, or the thought gets presented, somebody reads your book, Free to Thrive, or they listen to the, the podcast and they get that, that con- confrontation of like, dude, you gotta change your life, make some adjustments. And people have to make that decision of like, do I actually wanna embrace the scary new life You know, that could be afforded to me? One of the things that I, I really liked about your story is that you are still single. And I think sometimes people look at my story, because I've been clean for six years now, and got into a relationship not too long after I got clean, and that was um, that was more coincidental than anything. It wasn't like I'm nine months free; I'm gonna start dating again. Um, but I think I think your the the testament that you have about just being able to go nine years, stay clean, not masturbate. You know, I, one of the questions I get asked all the time is like, "Bro, really, masturbation too?" You know, <laughs> like the porn thing, I can understand. You know, um, but I think like uh, when you're single, you know, and like you don't, sure, you can connect with people, Ben, like you can make friends and you can volunteer and have these clubs to be a part of and have some meaningful connection, but it's not the same as physical intimacy. It's not the same as sex. Uh, what, What have you done or how do you, I don't know, what have been some of your philosophies and things that have helped you enjoy singleness while still staying free of porn and masturbation?
1: That's a great question. One of the things I realized was that we will ultimately not be able to give something up until we find something that's actually going to satisfy and fulfill the thing we thought we were getting from that thing that we don't want or that we're trying to get rid of. Um, And I think to start, it's realizing that so many we've got to have so much grace and compassion for ourselves. Hmm. So many of us have been through the ringer have shame because of stuff done to us. We live in a fallen world. This is not how things were originally created to be. The majority of us, and psychologists will say this, that being introduced to pornography as a kid is sexual assault, it's sexual abuse. We were not meant to experience that. And so many of us are, the people are pointing fingers at us, we're pointing fingers at ourselves and saying, I'm a dirty rotten sinner. Look at me. I've been struggling with porn for this long. And we've got to realize that the majority of the time people kids are introduced to porn. It's a friend showing it to them and them not asking for it. It's curiosity and where the church is silent, where our parents are silent, the enemy is speaking mm-hmm. and offering a counterfeit to it and Googling sex and coming across, you know, mainstream porn, which is violent and abusive. Um, So that would be another thing. And then a a third thing is through the accidental exposure, whether it's through websites or pop-ups or things we didn't want to see. I, I don't know of any story of people I've worked with where somebody was like, you know what? I just hate God and I wanna look at porn for the first time and I know it's gonna to lead to this addiction and ruin so many things in my life and relationships. And this is gonna be a great way of getting back at God for his amazing design of sex that's for me to thrive. No, it's it's like, it's it's really tragic when you think about it. And so having compassion for ourselves, kindness and compassion, curiosity as to what has taken place and not to view ourselves as a victim, although we have been victimized, but to view us as, okay, this has happened, this is a reality, I can have compassion. And I've realized this is in so many ways been about nurture, it's been about, it's been there for me when other people haven't, even though they were supposed to be, when my parents weren't, when my friends weren't, it was a way to feel accepted rather than rejected yeah. safe rather than unsafe all things we talk about in the book these these longings that we all have and it's been about survival and now god has invited me into a truer and better story something that will truly satisfy me and so when i start to realize question my struggles rather than condemn them and realize what they were about oh it's about rejection it's about nurture it's about that relationship that I needed so desperately as a kid that didn't fulfill the things I need. And now I'm replaying and looking at scenarios in porn with this particular person or this woman that will pursue me or this stepmom, this mom that I desperately needed as a kid that didn't have. We start to realize what we truly need. And then we ask God to bring that, to bring that healing and, and to step into that. And um, for me, what I started to see was spiritual mothers, spiritual fathers, friends, brothers that I never had, true friends who loved me and accepted me on my worst days, on my best days. They valued me for me. Relationships cause us to hurt the most and to heal the most. Yeah, right. And those relationships God used to start to heal me. And the triggers started to lead to transformation and healing. And so I, I've known my life as a kid before porn, when I kind of knew about sex and yeah, God created it. It's for married folks, whatever. Didn't really know much about it. And then I've known the porn, the porn life and the false sexuality and, you know, the, the violence and aggression and using other people. And that was for 10 years. And now for almost 10 years, I've known, the free life of real intimacy. And I I can't remember the last time I was tempted to look at porn. I'm not walking around just like in avoidance, wondering (laughs) when am I going to end up there again? No, God sets us free. He, He renews our mind. And so what happens for me now is because the trigger started leading to transformation. Yeah. When I still get triggered by procrastination or anxiety, I've learned to connect rather than cope. Mm. So the temptation for me is not to look at porn. The temptation is, am I going to reach out and seek connection or am I going to shut down and just kind of avoid it? Yeah. Um. And it's like, am I going to look, get on Netflix or am I going to, it's, it's a, it's a different kind of coping that happens now. Um. And I, I really believe, you know, if you think about in, in the Greek, salvation means to be saved, and we talk about that, but it also means to heal and make whole. Hmm. And Jesus came to make us whole here and now in a fallen world and to heal us. And our struggles of yesterday, of today, do not have to be there tomorrow. And for me as a single person I've realized that I've also realized that I've met so many guys their porn addiction their masturbation struggles went away when they got married because not that they were truly free or healed but because they started using their spouse their wife to sin against because it wasn't about true intimacy it was about getting rather than giving yeah but, but the the gift of of singleness and sobriety and getting free now is you learn how to have real intimacy with God and others and relationships um, and also realizing that this this is probably my best piece of advice for for singles. Make a list of all the needs, all the things you think marriage will bring you. Companionship, fun, play, um, uh, pursual, acceptance, safety, And then invite God into this and say, God, how are you meeting that now through mentors, through family, through pastors, through friends, Mm. through relationships, through yourself? (laughs) Um, And I made this list and I even added sexual release because it's like, yeah, God has created us as sexual beings. Sexuality is good. Sexual desire is good. And what I realized is... um, wet dreams. What a gift from God. I'm still having sexual release, but I'm also having all of these. So, so that was one of the desires in marriage. There's going to be sexual release. There's going to be acceptance. There's going to be companionship. And all of them in a unique way are being met here and now. And we've made marriage ultimate as Christians, and we think it's going to satisfy all our needs. And we think that that's some kind of ultimate amount act of obedience and discipleship and following Jesus. Yet we forget that the founder of our faith, Jesus was <laughs> single his entire life
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> that Paul who wrote most of the new Testament was single his entire life. And neither yeah. of them were in sin. It was a singleness is an equally glorious calling. And we've got to learn how to flourish in our sexuality, in our singleness, um, living into who God created us to be, having our relational needs met. And um, we can do that whether or not we're single. Yes, we're not acting out sexually with other people, but that is as beautiful as sex is. It's such a small part of life in the bigger picture of relationships and even the covenant of marriage. I remember talking to one of my mentors um, who was a sex addiction therapist And in his old age, um, sex was kind of difficult, and he shared that there's more pleasure in intimacy that comes through my wife giving me a massage (laughs) than sexual release. Wow! Um, That puts it. And I just, yeah, I thought that was just so beautiful that there's so much more to sex. And 90% of it is emotional and connection and love and safety and the icing on the cake. Not the whole cake, but the icing on the cake is the expression through the physical uh, act of, of sex. But it's so much deeper.
0: Yeah, it's really well said, man. And I think a lot of it comes down, like when you look at the basic fundamental principles of recovery or really making any kind of change in your life, A lot of it is self-management it's learning to like you're saying identifying those needs identifying your triggers and building healthy responses to them and the reality is that doesn't change when you get married like in fact if anything the responsibility is just greater to manage yourself well so you might as well get good at it while you're single if you intend to be with somebody one day um i love that i love the way you frame that this is one of my favorite questions to ask ben uh for people who are in our space helping guys get and girls get free of porn which is when you kind of, um, I guess put on your prophetic lenses a little bit, you look ahead and you kind of get the lay of the land because we know virtual reality is here, the metaverse is coming, the, the porn viewership is on the rise for the most part. What do you foresee happening? Are you Are you bearish or bullish on you know where this is going is it is this like uh we're gonna do our best here and, and hope hope for the best until jesus comes or what what do you think is going to happen maybe five ten years from now in this whole space of porn addiction recovery
1: well what i've seen in the shifts because i've been in, involved in this realm for 11 12 years and then was addicted for so long just as you know, the intensity of the addiction continues to go up. Mm-hmm. And I've had people say, I've had people say quitting cocaine was so easy compared to pornography.
0: I've heard that too. Yeah.
1: And so I think what we, I think it is going to continue to get more and more addictive. Um, I'm thankful that secular society, science, neuroscience, many people who you know, it's it's not about. Well, it is about morals because porn fuels sex trafficking, and there's so much abuse in the industry, and so much of the stuff we're watching online is not consensual that people are uploading, and that's why I, I loved a year ago when one of the major porn sites had to remove eighty percent of their stuff yeah. because they couldn't prove it was created with consent. consent. So that's one thing. Another thing is just. The research shows with what it does to your brain and how damaging it is. There's so many people that aren't looking at porn because it's ruining their actual sex lives. Mm. Um, and so, I, the I think just like could go one of two directions. One could be just like um, in the 80s and 90s, the anti-smoking campaigns when the research finally cut up, cut up, caught up to. Okay, this has been happening. So many people are de- addictive. It's leading to all these problems. I think that could be one direction Hmm. society starts to go. Um, And in many ways it is, is going that with celebrities speaking out about the harms of it. And that could lead to lower addiction rates or or, or whatnot. Um, Or it could. And I think at the same time, it is going to continue to become more and more addictive and violent and, and VR and whatnot. And we'll need more and more, intense and helpful recovery. But one of the greatest things, regardless of where it goes, one of the greatest things um, that we we teach and can continue to teach is internal filters for kids growing up. Hmm. We talk a lot about external filters, like get rid of the porn, block it on your computer. All those things are good. But what we have to do, and we do this with so many things, like we do it with truth. We do it with consent we do it with relationships we do it with treating others well uh from a young age to te- teach a godly robust healthy view of sex of sexuality because um, only when you know the original can you spot the counterfeit right and if you know if you know the deeper why we have to do this with our faith like so many people don't know why they think why christianity is true it's just like what they grew up believing. But as somebody who works with an apologetics ministry, <laughs> I think we need a sexual apologetic and to know why is God's design better? Why does it lead to flourishing? So much research out there. We're seeing the research about the harms of porn, of the harms of cohabitating, the the enjoyment of marriages and healthy sex lives of people who who waited or who weren't addicted to porn like it's it's all out there but what we want to do is slowly teach it from a young age um and help people know the why yeah and and whether or not they ever get married you know yeah
0: yeah i love that man i totally agree and i know i don't know if you work exclusively with youth but i know it's it's where a lot of your messaging is focused and i think What you said is really critical, like any issue you want to resolve in society, you have to start young Um, because, sure, you can help adults heal from it and hopefully get most of their lives back. But um, when you can impact the youth, that's when you know you can really shape the next generation and the generations to come. Uh, Dude, this has been so good. I feel like I could ask you another 20 questions, but I am (laughs) going to wrap it here. And I know people will want to connect with you. You have a killer podcast. Your book has done really well. It's about to be translated into Spanish, which is really cool. Um, Just tell people where can they connect with you if they want to find out more.
1: Yes, resolutionmovement.org. That's the movement I get to lead. And we've got all our social media links on there to like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, putting out pretty much daily content on there. On mental health, trauma, neuroscience, Jesus—all kinds of fun stuff. <laughs> the podcast, free email series, video series is on there. And then me personally, I'm at Ben V Bennett on Instagram mainly, Instagram, Facebook, and and Twitter. And then the book is available wherever uh, books are sold. I'd say we we covered probably five percent of the book today, and the other ninety-five percent is is there in in the book. Yeah. So.
0: Perfect, man. Thanks again for your time, Ben. Really appreciate it.
1: Hey, thanks so much. It was awesome chatting with you today.
0: All right. Well, I am so glad I had Ben on the podcast. He's not an easy guy to get a hold of. I was really, really honored that he took some time to do this, and he was absolutely phenomenal. So I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I want to encourage you, if you don't do anything else, and maybe you're like, okay, I don't really want to buy anything. I don't want to spend any money. I just want to connect with him. Go to Instagram or listen to his podcast. Both of those are excellent resources completely free of charge, but I am going to say that if all you're looking for is free resources, you're never actually going to get free. So you should go buy his book. It's available anywhere that books can be sold, and I think I I just think his take as you can tell is very comprehensive. So some guys we have on the podcast are talking a lot about Healing from parts of your past. Some guys are talking a lot about the neuroscience. Some people are talking more about how it impacts relationships. Some people are more practical or, or anecdotal and they share their stories. But he he really just encompasses all those things. You're going to get a very comprehensive resource if you go and buy his book. And I, I highly recommend you do. But I want to thank you guys so much for listening. And I want to wish you an incredible day. And if you're looking to be part of a community, you're, you're thinking, you know, I don't wanna do this alone anymore. I know I need to get free. I wanna invite you to join Deep Clean Inner Circle. That is a private community that we've created for men like you to get free of pornography in the context of a safe environment with regular teachings and trainings from me and regular coaching any questions you have i'm going to answer them in there i'm going to give you expert level guidance through your problems into a life of lasting freedom it's called deep clean inner circle you can type it into facebook it'll come up or you can just click the link in the show notes and that'll get you an open invite you just have to fill out a couple questions uh, to make sure that you are suitable for our community and i look forward to seeing you in there have an amazing day guys we'll talk soon bye-bye hey everybody it's Thea again thanks for listening to unleash the man within